This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to episode 70 of What Did You Watch This Week? My name is Mike. My name is John, and we're, we're, it, it dawned on me as we were starting to record this episode that it's going to be like now 99 more episodes before we can, you know, be at episode 169. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like a year and a half. It's going to be forever. That's a long time. And that was E-V-A-R, you know, that crazy, creepy way that people spell it. Right? Yep. <sighs> so, what did you watch this week, John? Uh, I watched a bunch of stuff, uh, as per the huge, but I think we should start off, and maybe you think we should finish off, but I think we should start off by acknowledging and diving into the fact that of all the things that we talked about last week on episode 69, we <laughs> forgot probably the biggest thing that we needed to talk about. And that was, we did not game. talk about Game of Thrones. We did not talk about the Game of Thrones, the game of, of the, the show of fire and ice. And, and the crazy thing is that literally moments before recording the podcast, we were sitting yeah. down in your living room watching the second episode and saying, yes, yeah. we're going to be able to talk about this. Yeah, we actually watched the second episode together with my wife and then went and talked about everything else. But Yep. Like, literally skipped right over it. I, I don't know how we did that. I can't get over it. It's ridiculous. But yeah, I've, that's I've, what we did. Even though we're recording this midway through the week, I have not watched the third episode yet. I have, but I'm not going to talk about it. Excellent. I appreciate that. Uh, but let's talk about Game of Thrones because we had the season premiere and then the next episode after the season premiere. I don't even know what episode number two would be called other than, you know, episode number two, but episode two. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Break it down for us, John. Um, I gotta say, I, I said this last season too, and I'm going to say it again here. When HBO made the move and said, you know, we're just not getting George Railroad Conductor Martin to uh, put these episodes, put the books out fast enough to keep up with us, we're just going to do our own thing for the rest of the episodes. Like, I was a fan. And not because I don't like uh, Railroad Conductor's uh, book material. It's just that he... He's too slow, and a lot of the stuff was very plodding. You know, entire it would take like five episodes for somebody to walk from one place to another. Now, granted, that's realistic. It's kind of like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. Even the three movies are walking moved in those movies. Um, but yeah, so I was quite a big fan, and then when I saw the product of it last season, I was an even bigger fan because they really 
they uh, they did a good job, and a lot of people seem to agree. So um, this season, they're only giving us what six episodes. So I think it's I think it's seven. Is it okay? So I'm pretty sure it's seven. It's not. It's not. I know it's not an even number. <laughs> so we're about halfway through this season, approximately. You know, there've been yeah. three episodes. There's four left. Then, um, I really liked the first episode. And I know you and I had talked about this, but uh, the previously on. Previously on is a dangerous kind of tool because... Yeah, there's seven episodes to be specific. Okay. A lot of times TV shows, when they do previously ons, they'll screw it up. For instance, they'll do, you know, previously on, and they'll show you an old character that hasn't been around for like three or four seasons. And you go, oh, well, I guess they're coming back this season. Supernatural is infamous for that. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes if you're not... A diehard like us, or you don't remember all those things. Sometimes they can be nice because you're like, "Oh, I forgot about that character." True. You know where it really hurts. You know the well, worst place to have those previously ons is when well, they leave them in on Netflix. So, oh yeah, you're binging an episode and you're binging like twenty of them in a row, and every time you get the previously on, yeah, no shit, that was two seconds ago. I right. just hit the button that said next episode in. But this. Game of Thrones premiere was a very good previously on. It was. I mean, because it it was basically previously on, and they did the entire series run. Yes, with the major highlights for the characters that are still alive, basically. Right. In just like a few minutes time frame, they kind of rehashed the series, which was really done really, really well. It was, and I never felt like I was... um, Looking at it and saying, oh, I guess they're going to talk to that person. Oh, I guess this person's going to be around. It was more like, okay, we've had a whole year or so. I'm ready to be reminded of what I've missed. And they did that really well. And mm-hmm. and then... Oh, but wait, I'm sorry. Hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure in the grand order of things, they actually started out with a cold opening before they did the previous thing. Oh, this, this is true. This is true. They did a very – or maybe maybe not. I don't know. But before the opening credits, which they never do stuff before the opening credits. Right. The opening theme and everything. Which, so which that is weird. Of, which surprised me. But they had, you know, Arya basically killing House of Frey. <laughs> um, and pretty well, too. Like, she's kind of her, – her short tenure there at the uh, Temple of a Thousand Faces or whatever you want to call it uh, – Gave her some mad skills because she not only was wearing Frey's face, but she was she had his voice and everything. Yeah, she's a very talented lady. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, hats off to her for that one, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. faces off to her for that one. <laughs> yeah, well, she poisoned them all. Yep, and, and all did it them. under the guise of being, you know, the the head of Frey and the raising a toast to everybody and talking about how you know you did this and you did this and mm-hmm. you know. It was a great speech, and then she wouldn't let the uh, his his wife drink the 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 wine. Right, right. Because and she then basically she didn't have said like, with it. "Yeah, you tell everyone that Arya Stark is who's the one that did this." Basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt that that was much cooler than the scene that we got with her later, uh, where she was wandering around and found Ed Sheeran and a bunch of other knights on the road. Oh no! See, I actually kind of like that scene too because it's like you. You, you're, you're watching her, and everyone, to me, this is what it was. Like, you're watching her come in there. The first thing she's scoping out, she's looking where their weapons are. Yep. 
where their weaknesses are. And she sees that none of them are armed. All the weapons are off over there. Yep. And, like, you're watching her watch this. And in her mind, she's being tactical, like, I'm going to kill all these people. But then every single one of those soldiers that spoke, you instantly like them based on what they had to say. Oh, my mother always says, if you're kind to strangers, they'll be kind to you. Have We have only this small amount of meat, but here, help yourself to it. Or... Whatever, like they're all like super nice. Oh, I'm doing this for my family. I have never seen my daughter and I can't wait to meet her or whatever. On and on and on. I mean, like you they instantly made you be like, man, if she kills all these people, you'll feel bad. Right. And then we're like, so what are you doing? Oh, I'm going to go kill the queen. And then they all laughed. It's almost like, all right, I actually really enjoyed that scene. It was myself. It was a good scene. Again, this was a huge departure from the Martin era of the books. Because had that been George R. R. Martin writing that scene, A, it would have taken them forever to get there. And B, she probably would have killed them all. She would have befriended them like that and then killed them all by like cutting off their gonads and stuffing them down their own throats or something like that. It would have been very brutal and very disturbing. And uh Yeah. I did like the way that this one played out. I still like the Frey scene better, though. Like, this was a good scene, but I still like Frey better because that just showed how cunning and calculating she's become. And, uh, yeah, that she's got some mad skills on her side there. It was also cool because that's the point when she was alerted to the fact that Jon Snow lives and, yo, he up in the woods up to the north. And he's king of the north now, so maybe you want to go check out your brother. And she's like, hmm, that's a tough call. But each, each character kind of got their own moment in the spotlight, as it were. You know, everybody, you know, we got to see what Cersei's up to now, and she's just, she's still batshit crazy. Like, she's sound in her tactics, I guess, but for the most part, she's like, nope, we're going to go march, we're going to go out there, and we're going to kick some ass, we're going to kill people because, you know, I'm on the throne now, we've got to remind everybody that the throne rules all, and Jamie doesn't seem to want to have much of that. But, I don't know, he seems pretty much behind her in episode two, in all this. Yeah, he's always behind her. Oh, you know what? I just confused episode two and three really quick. Oh, nice. Yeah, sorry about that. That's all right. <laughs> because oh, I wish you'd seen episode three now. I'm, I got to hold on to it. I got to think of something else so I don't go back to this. Episode three. Okay, so of the f- first three episodes, for me so far, episode three is the most story advancing episode. Because each one of these episodes really does a good job advancing the story quickly compared to the previous seasons. And it's because there's seven episodes to tell their story in it. And they have a lot of story to tell. They sure do. Um, but, yeah, I thought episode one did a great job of setting up everybody of, okay, we're back. This is what happened. This is what's happened while you were gone. Because, obviously, time advanced between seasons on the show, even. Right. So this is what happens while you're gone while you were gone and now we're here we're setting everybody up for for this. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, you know, in this episode like you said, you know, we're seeing Arya kill House of Frey. We're seeing her meet the Lannister soldiers. We know what her plan is, you know. We see 
um, like you said, Cersei on the throne saying, this is what I want to have accomplished. You see Jamie going, we're not ready for that, if yeah. you will, basically. You know, we need more people on our side. House of Frey is gone. Right. We don't have those, you know, House Tyrell. We don't, they're not our allies anymore either. You know, like in House Tyrell is where all the money came from. Right. You know, and so they're not our allies either. So we need to line up our allies. And she's just like, screw that. Yeah. She's like, we'll you know? do it no matter what. Exactly. She's like, we're getting this done. Yep. Um, almost like <sighs> the way she's acting with that. And I don't know if it's sheer determination that she they're trying to display in her or if she's basically gone not crazy with power, but she's so full of grief. All her kids are dead. Everybody's dead. Her father's dead. She truly believes that her younger that her her, her that her brother is the one that killed her son mm-hmm. and her father and that the only person that she has in her life is Jamie and now he's not showing 100% you know he he's being not standoffish but you know hesitant well he makes a good point you know, you know he's like well, well what do you yeah, what kind of legacy points. are you trying to leave because all of our kids are dead everyone in this family yep. is dead it's basically us so whose legacy are you trying to create cuz once you're dead and I'm dead it's nothing Right, exactly, and I, I almost feel like she she doesn't care. No, I'm sure she doesn't. Dude, you saw what she did at the end of the last season. She blew oh, up like yeah. half the city. So, I mean, do you think we're seeing a Mad Queen scenario? Absolutely. They've always talked about the Mad the Mad King. Yep. You know, so yep. I don't know. And then the five the end at the end of this episode, obviously, we see uh, <laughs> Daenerys we saw, and and um, Tyrion yes. for like five they, seconds. They show up, but they arrive at Dragonstone. She's home. Mm-hmm. You know, she is home. And uh, just to tie everything in together, because they seem to like doing that as well, putting a neat little bow on things, you know, John makes this impassioned speech to everybody about how the, you know, the White Walkers are coming and the army is coming. And we got a really cool shot of the CGI walkers coming through and the fact that they've got a couple of giants turned to their side now. I think there was three giants, which was really kind of badass. I thought like, you know, the giants were walking up and it's like, oh, they got a giant. Oh, he's a White Walker. Oh, they got three giants. I mean, yeah. We saw what what one giant did at Castle Black when they were defending it. When and, and that's when the giant was mortal. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so like he didn't have that blind like he was a driven guy. But it's a little bit different when you're the undead and you're driven, and pain isn't a factor. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it's it's and there's three of them. So that's scary. Yep. But John makes the big impassioned speech and says that they need dragon glass in order yes. to you know to go after them. the White Walkers. Well, then we also have Sam down yes. at the. Meister University, I guess, or oh, Meister University. God. Yeah, and he's he's basically the 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 shit boy. Literally the shit. The Aaron boy. boy. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice little montage there of you know him being given books to restack and then emptying chamber pots and having to like stuff it down in and almost vomiting, vomiting. sometimes vomiting. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. gross. But then he comes across an old tome that says <gasps> Dragonstone, where Daenerys yeah. is showing up, happens to sit upon a cave. That is replete with dragon glass. And how convenient that Daenerys, at a point, maybe it was episode two, sent Jon Snow a raven scroll saying, come bend the knee. Yeah. Yeah. And say that I'm your queen and 
everything will be dragging last there. Yeah. Yeah, because he wasn't going to go. And then Sam sends him a raven. He's like, hey, guess what? Yeah, the raven's basically being their version of uh, text messaging. <laughs> yeah. LOL, not going to believe this. Daenerys sitting on dragon glass. Ha, ha, ha. JK. She doesn't even know. You know, that kind of thing. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, now he's like, well, maybe I should go down there. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I think we're jumping ahead to the second episode now, but everyone at Winterfell is just like, uh, no. Yeah. Don't. N- no. Yeah, we don't just, do that. We just pledged loyalty to you. Yeah. Uh, you're going to abandon us, and there's an army coming that we need to fight, and we need you here by our side because you're the only one that's seen them and the only one that's fought them. And yeah. not to mention the fact that you're the king up here. So we declared you the king. Yeah. But that's the thing. He didn't he didn't he didn't want like he didn't ask for it. Right. He didn't seek it out. Which he's very quick know, to point out. In the Battle of the Bastards, he did it because that's what he thought was the right thing to do. That's what needed right. to happen. You know, it wasn't like he didn't do that so that way, oh, I'm gonna do that because I want to be the king of the north. He did it because he's like, No, this is wrong and this is what's right and I'm gonna do what's right. And that is my family's land. And you know what I mean? But like, he didn't do it for the express purposes of, of becoming king. He, right. he wasn't seeking power. Right. Um, but you know, he does leave, says, tell Sansa she's going to be in charge. So, yep. Yeah. It was, um, it was good. She didn't yeah. seem to want to be in charge, but now we've also got this whole, uh, meeting, not meeting type thing because, you know, he's going to leave. And while he's leaving, Arya is on her way north to meet up with him. So they're going to just miss each other. You know, sorry, you were out when I showed up. She'll put a little post-it on the note, on the door of uh, the keep. Oh, and let's not forget that we got to see Bran for like five seconds. Yes, we saw Bran briefly in episode one. Yep. When he showed up at the wall. Yep. We don't see him at all in episode two. Nope. So I and I'll, I'll just say, you know, um, don't get your hopes up for episode three. Well, actually, I wasn't going to say anything, but I'll say we do briefly see him again in episode three. I think it's a whole ninety-four seconds of brand. Whoa! Yeah, it's more screen yeah. time than he got all the last season, except for I know, that right? stupid Hodor scene. Yeah, but you yeah. know, actually, in episode two, Arya meets she she meets up with Hot Pie. Mm-hmm. And he does tell her that John's the king of the north, and so she decides she turns north to Winterfell. That's right. That's when she turned north. It wasn't when she was yeah. at the knights. Nope, no, it wasn't after that. She was when she stopped, and she was at that that inn with hot pie, and she she uh, she talked about like, oh, you know, oh wow, this crust is really good. And he says, oh yeah, the secret is you got to use lard on the crust or some secret he had for the crust. She goes, oh, I didn't do that when I made mine. And then she looks behind her, and these two guys are eating. And it's basically implied that, you know, she poisoned those guys. Yep. At first, I thought they were trying to imply that she had baked somebody into a pie. And I'm like, wow, go you. But no, it was just that they've been poisoned. Because she seems to like the poison stuff now. Yeah, she's she's all about revenge and killing for revenge. Yep. and uh, poison definitely does that because you don't see it coming. No. You know, it's not like a sword or a bow or anything where somebody's going to kill you and you're like, oh, no, I'm about to die. You're just like, mm, this is a good pie. Yeah. And then, oh, now I'm going to die. 
Gosh, you know, I'm, honestly, of these three episodes, the one I want to talk about the most is episode three. So uh, I can't wait for you to watch it. Your crawl. Well, a little bit, but I'm, I'm okay with it because the the, uh, the other excitement is I can't wait for you to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm very excited about you watching it because, you know, really thinking about one and two now, I'm I'm – I'm upping my ante when I say episode three was definitely the best episode so far, <laughs> and it really advances the story the most. But as a standalone, you had to have watched episodes one and two to really get episode three going. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest but, uh, the biggest other thing to talk about in all this was in episode two, we finally got to see more of Daenerys and her followers, and she's making a uh, woman's army, essentially. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a... Uh, Kind of an unbelievable scene where you had, you know, all those, those, those women together. Yep. S- you know, setting the stages for this war. Yep. For what was going to happen. And then we see at the end of episode two that it's not, not going as planned. No. So basically, she's, Huron, yeah. Yeah. She sits down there with the, uh, uh, what was it? I can never remember her name. Reek's sister there. The Lady Greyjoy, basically. You know, Yara. The, Yara. There we go. Yara yeah, Greyjoy. Yeah. Yara. Uh, Lady Tyrell, the old Lady Tyrell. You yep. have the Spanish woman from Marine. Alaria, uh, um, or I think it's a tight, something like that. I don't know, but you have them because it's her and her three daughters. But it's just her, and yeah, yeah. They did a they did a breakdown. Like we also got to see Daenerys intimidate. Um, oh God, I'm blanking on the names today. I want to say Littlefinger, but it's not. It's um. The eunuch there. That, yeah, the eunuch fella. Yeah, yeah. That spent so much time with Tyrion. And she's basically like, you've betrayed every king before you. And he's like, yep, they weren't good kings. And she's like, well, what's to keep you from betraying me? And he's like, nothing. If, you, if you're if you a good queen, I won't betray basically, you. Basically, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, but otherwise, no, if you're true. a bad queen, I'm, I'm going to turn on you. And so she makes him swear an oath. And he's like, yep, I'm in, as long as you're a good queen. And she's like, well, if I'm not a good queen and the people are suffering, then you tell me. And he's like, fair enough. Yep. But they devised this whole plan where they don't want um, the Unsullied to be fighting at King's Landing to take the Iron Throne because that's a foreign army and the people will probably resist more. Yes, she wants to – because th- – okay, she has the three dragons. She has her army. If she just wanted to take King's Landing, she probably could. Yeah, but she'd kill everybody there. But she doesn't want to do that. She wants to take King's Landing, but she wants to do so with as as few civilian casualties as possible because she wants the people to support and love her and not fear her have her rise to power and then fear and hate her, yes. Like they do yeah. with Cersei. Exactly, yes. It's Varys, isn't it? Varys is the unit. Yeah, Varys, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, think about it. Like uh, with Cersei, I mean, it wasn't too long ago that she was forced to walk the street naked, <laughs> and the people were throwing food and spitting on her and, and everything else. Shame. So, Shame. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't too long ago that happened, and now she's the queen. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah they're not fans. No, not at all. But, yeah, so their plan is basically to have, you know, the army from Marine, and it was some of um, Tyrell's soldiers go and knock on the doors of King's Landing and basically take on the army so that it's a local army so that they won't have such a problem with it. Meanwhile, the Unsullied are all going to go up to um, Castle Castle Rock Rock and take out the rest of the Lannisters there so they can't reinforce them and so that Cersei has no place to run to. Yeah, and everyone else at first was like, well, why are we fighting your battle? Mm. And then 
when when you know the I can't think of his name uh, the Tyrion? dwarf there Tyrion says, "Oh, that's because you're going to fight that front, and then we're going to go wipe out my family." Yeah, essentially, and they're going like, to wipe out my land. And they're like, "Oh, well, okay then." Yeah, yeah, we can get behind yeah. this now. Yep. Um, so, but that didn't it, work out as uh, as planned, as you were saying earlier. No, because like you have Yara with, uh, was it Al- Alaria, something like that, something the like Spanish that. lady and her three daughters. Yep. How's that? Yep. God, I feel terrible today, but there's a reason. Um, they're heading back on the ship to, uh, you know, they're they're heading back to her land with Yara's fleet when they're attacked by Euron and the rest of the Iron Fleet. And oh, by the way, Euron yeah. cleans up pretty nice. Euron does clean up really nice. What it is in the first episode, Euron went to Cersei and brought his army there and said, "Hey, we'll fight for you. Yeah. But I want your hand in marriage." <laughs> yeah, I got a thousand ships and the people to uh, Salem. Yeah. You just marry me, make me. And the she king. was like, "No." And he's like, "I'll tell you what." And of course, he takes tons of jabs at Jamie the whole time. And, he, and then he's like, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll bring you a gift that you won't be able to refuse, and then you'll, you know, you'll have to, you'll, you know, you'll want to marry me. And that's when he heads off. I'm like, well, what's he gonna do? <laughs> well, what he's gonna do is he's gonna attack his his niece and nephew and the people that deserted him, as he looks at it. And yeah, so like the the two older daughters, uh, they're killed. Yeah, the the daughters of Marie. Super violently. I mean, it's a huge battle. There's mm-hmm. casualties on both sides, but the daughters of Marine—they're killed. They are. They're one's like driven through a stake, and the other was hung with her own whip. Uh-huh. And then they are then like left on the the you know hanging off the front of a ship, and their bodies are. And then they capture Yara, and then he captures uh, Yara, and then the mother and her other daughter. Right. And I immediately thought, oh. He's going to present them to Cersei because remember that she was saying, mm-hmm. just go and kill us, kill us. Oh, we're not going to do that. Yep. So like they killed the older daughters with without thought, but they purposely captured the younger daughter and her. And all I'm thinking is, oh, he's going to gift them to Cersei because, right. you know, she killed Cersei's daughter. Uh-huh. Exactly. So um, I was like, well, they're going to be dead. And then when it came to Yara, I was just like, I don't know what he's going to do with her. Um, he got honest, her hostage. Well, I mean, ultimately in the end, what? well, okay, yes, I'm sorry. He held her hostage for, uh, well, I'm just going to say it's, Theon? it's not Theon. Thank you. I can think it was Reek. Uh, basically, and you saw Theon go from being kind of like, all right, he'd grown, grown a pair again. And, <laughs> And now they're gone again. Because with everything going on, right, he just he freaked out again and lost his will, dropped his sword, and jumped in the river. Yeah, his and the, uh, and the his testicles are like a starfish. There, just keep chopping yeah. them off. They keep growing back. Yeah. Well, they were cut off again. And there's a really there's that really great scene, and they actually talked about it in the after show. But I mean, there's that really great scene where you have. You know, Theon and Yara looking at each other, and it's the moment when he she realizes that he's not even going to try to come and save her. Right. And and then you have the uncle who realizes the same thing, but he laughs about it. Uh-huh. Like, and and it's such a creepy, creepy, like laugh. Right. You know, I mean, it's it's very disturbing. Yeah. So if Yara doesn't sell, doesn't like write 
Theon off after this. I don't know what it'll take. Because remember, she went to rescue him, braved all those attack dogs, got in there and was like, come on. He's like, no, no, I don't want to go. And he refused to let her rescue him. So she almost died there. Many of her men died trying to get him out. And now the tables are turned. It's like, come rescue me. Now, in his defense, the uncle probably would have slit her throat before he even took a step. Oh, most likely, yeah. I mean, that blade was right up against her neck. This was not like a, oh, will he, won't he. He was going for flesh. So, you know, Reek probably looked at it and measured the situation and went, I'm a coward and I can't help her, and ran right into the water. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what he did. He basically collapsed back to him being his useless sniveling self that he was. Yep. And, um... I just I don't I I'm I'm curious to see what's in store for Yara. Mm. Um, Me as well. What he's going to do to her? Yep. Because I feel like this is not going to be an off-screen death or no. what. And you know this show, yeah, you know I wouldn't put it past him to 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 rape her or something like that. Ridiculous because of what they do on this show. Well, again, I'm not trying to sound like a dead horse, but if it was George R. R. Martin, oh yeah. He would yeah. have, and it wouldn't have mattered because, I mean, think about Jamie and Cersei, you know? They're direct blood brother and sister. They're twins. Yeah. They're technically twins. So, yeah. 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 Anyhow, uh, I don't know. Game of Thrones it's a great is great. Show. Glad it's back. It's a great show. Yeah, exactly. Glad it's back. Sad it's only seven episodes. But. Yep. Pretty much. Let's 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 lighten things up. Let's because sure. uh, we got it kind of dark, even though we loved it. But let's Hootin' and the Lady. I really like this show. <laughs> Hootin' and the Lady is a very interesting show. I don't know that it's going to last because well, we definitely know that there's eight episodes because yep. they already aired in right. another country. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> it uh, but past those eight episodes, who knows? Who knows? Ha ha. It definitely feels like uh, an Indiana Jones kind of thing, like, but on a weekly basis. Um, this yeah, week- this week they went to Egypt. Yep. Yep. No. But unlike the last two where they ran into each other, this right. one they went together specifically. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they were trying to find the tomb of Alexander the Great. Yes. I like that they incorporate real stuff. You know, it's not like fictitious things like, you know, the book of summoning the spirits of the afterlife. And you're like, no, that doesn't exist. But this one, they're really looking for stuff that has gone missing or was never found. The Necronomicon's real. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, Uh. But yeah, it was it was a good episode. Um, They're doing a little too much with the. Uh, sexual tension there, you know, will they, won't they kind of thing. Yeah, they're doing quite a bit there. We're only and three episodes in and they're already like, ooh, ooh, what's it going to be? Yeah. Yeah. But they do a lot, like you said, every episode, they fit so much into them. Like, yeah. It'd be almost like if they did hour and a half movies instead, they'd be able to tell the story a little bit better. Yep. But they're still doing a pretty good job of telling the story the They're doing a great job telling a very fast-paced story. Yep. Yes, yes, it is. But essentially, um, you know, they're, they're looking for the, like you said, the long-lost tomb of Alexander the Great. Uh, there's locals that are are, you know, 
unscrupulous, I guess, is right. the best word to describe them. And, uh, of course, there's a cult that's ancient has been protecting these secrets forever. Yeah, and they're looking for them. And one wants it for money, one wants it for historical purposes, one wants it for power purposes. Of course, there's the uh, they do the old, oh, trusted ally who turns on them. Yeah. One wants it just to have, them. A, to have a swinging pad to bang chicks in. Yeah. And uh, but of course they unveiled that Alexander the Great was moved, and they of course discover where he was moved to, and so where you know now it's underwater, based on a chess and game involving spears being stuck into the floor. Exactly. That was a <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> and now it's underwater, and of course they manage to get there, and then of course the bad guys find them, and then of course the only way to escape is to blow something up, which seals the entrance. Which, you know, now leaves it still underwater in a sealed cavern, and it's going to be a pain in the ass to get to it, but at least it's there and protected as opposed to in enemy hands or destroyed. Right. Um, and, of course, you know, Hooten was able to rig the inside of the coffin with a dozen sticks of dynamite while everyone was slightly distracted by the lady talking to them. Like, they could see over yes. her shoulder. They could see what he was doing, but yes. he somehow yeah. managed to rig it all up. Yeah. Like, when he did just... And move the body. He moved yeah. the body out of the he casket. He did a lot in a short amount of time. He's a yeah. talented But, you know, when they rigged up the one, you're like, oh, okay, that's believable. And then they open the casket, and like you said, there's like a dozen inside the sarcophagus or whatever. And it's like, oh, that's less believable. Well, it's not only um, less believable, but then, like, they go, oh, <laughs> no, and they run. And then they get down into the water, put their scuba gear back on, swim out of the cave, and surface before it goes off. And that seems unlikely as well, yeah. Yes. I noticed that in your description and in my description, we both use the phrase, of course, a lot. You know, of course this happened, of course this happened. Yeah. It made me think, somebody should write a show called Of Course. And it would just be nothing but those cliches and tropes that always happen. You know, of course the impossibly hot girl lives next door. Of course she's going to get together with the geek. Everything. Every week could be a new episode that's just nothing but tropes. Like a Twilight Zone kind of thing, but a funny version. I think that's what's fun about this show, though, is that it's full of those, like, uh, time-tested, stereotypical you know, stories or plot issues or plot points or, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's a very so, thin line between plot points and plot issues. Right. right. <laughs> but you know what I mean, though? So, like, it's it's just, it's it's full of, like, some time-tested, proven um, devices used to yes. carry on the story. Storytelling devices, yes. yes. Yeah, and, and the way in the, in the way of the flow, and there's enough humor and action and drama in it and romance in it that makes it fun. It's a fun show. It is. I do enjoy it. It's a very fun show. Um, so Dark Matter. Yes. Oh, my I, God. Would you call this the Jump the Shark the ep uh, episode? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely jumped the shark on this one. So if you remember the last episode, they were messing around with the bling drive, and something happened that basically knocked them all out, like a big wave came through everything. Yeah. And when they wake up, they realize they've traveled 600 years into the past. Yeah. Dun. Yeah. So basically, they got to go to Earth current time. And let's just say technology's not 
as advanced as they'd like it to be. Right. It's but our android, modern day. The, yeah, exactly. The android can very easily just like, you know, do the thing where she closes her eyes and opens them and she's set up like bank accounts and false IDs and and paper trails and and on and on and on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> so, yeah. um I wouldn't say it's a bad episode. No, I wouldn't either. Some of it was a lot of fun. You know, the and again, like we were talking about earlier, the typical tropes, you know, the uh whatever her name is there, five, the nerdy one, you know, she seems to be able to pick up video games very quickly and makes friends with the kid of the household because she can yeah. play video games real good and uh you know, Portia is still having a hard time adjusting, so she's very standoffish. But everyone else kind of gets into the groove of things and is ready to oh, embrace gosh. their counterparts back then. And yes, because they all have their identities of what it's like living in the now time. And don't forget, the reason why they take the they do a lot of this is because they detect another blink drive. Right. Yeah, and so they they go to where that is. <laughs> wait a minute. And- wait a minute. Of course they detect another blink drive. Of course they detect another blink drive, so they go to where it is. And then, of course, they experience some fish-out-of-water incidents. And one of my favorite things is, like, the the android when they uh, (laughs) – when they're at the house party or whatever it is. (laughs) Doing what we do. Yeah, basically, yeah. And the people are standing around talking about a show and how I can't believe it. And so she accesses, like, the, her memory banks or whatever is the internet to see, oh. And then she talks about the season finale or the series finale or whatever it is. Oh, I can't believe this happened. And then this happened. They're like, what are you talking about? The season finale isn't for another week. And she's like, oh, well, I think you'll all be quite surprised. And yeah. then walks off. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I liked it. Was it. Fun. I, it was fun. It was definitely a jump the shark kind of thing. Oh, well, think about it. the kids see one of them automatically suspect they're aliens or something's wrong with them. They follow one of them into the woods. They see the marauder. They get a picture of the marauder. Dad finds the phone. Dad calls the local police to show him the picture. <laughs> and instead of just assuming, oh, this is something off the internet, they go, there must be a spaceship in the woods. Yeah. And so they call the FBI. And so that was all kind of like, eh. That was all, of course. <laughs> that's pretty far-fetched, but of course that's what happened. Yep. And um, and then, of course, they find the guy who had the bling drive. Yep. And, of course, he was a crazy scientist guy who's paranoid and worked on it in the first place, building the first one in the future. And then he blinked to the past. And, of course, he <laughs> all the other blink drives out there for a fail-safe device that would cause them to go return home, to go to him yeah. so he can and, – and, and be destroyed yep. once they get there. And, of course, he allows them to take the only blink drive, working blink drive he has and decides to stay in the past. And then, they, of course, they blink to the future and because- basically – it's- now they have a fully functioning working blink drive. They'll be in the future and back in their own time. And yeah. Did, did you notice how the scientist guy was like, no, I can't let you leave with it. It's too powerful. And they're like, but come on, we need it. And he's like, okay, oh, here hey. you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- it was I th- great. I think pretty soon we're going to need to start a second podcast called, of course, dot, dot, dot. And we'll just like pick on one thing at a time. That's just like, and, yeah. Of course, minute. <laughs> oh God! When we get to preacher, we're gonna have a huge, of course. 
a uh, few of them. But I will say that uh, Killjoys was, once again this week, awesome. Uh, the Rack is the big organization in the Killjoys universe. It's uh, Reclamation something. Basically, the Rack are bounty hunters, but they're very professional, code-driven bounty hunters. You have five different ranks, you know, rank five being the highest. Um, they have a credo, and it ends with the warrant is all. You know, they don't care who you are, what you're doing. The warrant is all. Well, as of this season, and I'm not going to go too deep into this because a few of our listeners have actually taken me up on my suggestion. And I actually watched this. episode one myself. And did you like it? I did. Uh, well, I started it before you came over last night, and then I finished it after. So I did watch it in two parts. Nice. Um, and just real quick, uh, it is available on the Sci-Fi Channel app all three seasons. Yep. To date. It's one of the few shows that are actually all on there. Yeah. As opposed to just the most, a few recent episodes. So. And you could get that app, like I've got it on my iPad, on my Android phone, I just put it on my Fire TV stick. Uh, I have it on my Roku and I have it on my Kindle Fire 7. Yep. So, it is available out there if you want to check it out, but this season we're dealing with infiltration, you know, a known enemy that can hide amongst their ranks. And uh, this episode was all about that. It was called Attack the Rack. And it was all about going to the different zone racks, you know, which are giant. They look kind of like the Imperial Star Destroyers. Uh, they're giant floating fortresses that have the rack agents and, you know, the head of command and armories and stuff like that. And they were trying to weed out the enemies in their midst. And it was just another really great episode. And I'm really enjoying the show. It, again, awesome. it's not like this is my favorite show ever, but it's really enjoyable quality TV. Nice. So check it out, people. It is available. I'm glad to finally be able to say that. And uh, a few people are checking it out and they seem to be liking it so far. So cool. My reputation stays for now. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to break down every episode, every moment, every, 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 but I did watch the first season of Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Because that's on Hulu now. Yes, I watched all eight episodes. So you made it through all eight. I did. I watched all eight, and I got to say, I really enjoyed the first seven episodes, <laughs> and I really enjoyed all but the last five minutes of episode eight. It does kind of, Yeah. The ending is... Uh, I'm going to be blunt. It pissed me right the fuck off. <laughs> but knowing that, there's, that they were gearing up for a second season. They could have geared up for a second season without being giant assholes. <laughs> I, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I, did, I did not like how it ended. I, I really enjoyed the show. I liked the time loop aspect of it. Once we learned there was one, I liked the character development. I really enjoyed the holistic assassin. I thought Fiona <laughs> Duroff was amazing. Holy crap. Um, she was yeah. just the best. Yeah, Art. I really thought she was great. And, uh, yeah, but I tell you what, I, I despised the last five minutes of the show. But did you despise it enough that you would tell people not to watch this, or would you still tell them to watch it? I would probably still tell them to watch it and then just not watch the last five minutes of the episode. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, honestly, it, like it, I'll, I'll be honest. It really did. After binge watching this, when that happened, it really, it brought me down. 
Like I was really like I was loving the show. I loved where I thought it was gearing up to end with, mm-hmm. hey, great. Everyone's quote unquote happily ever after. They're gonna be working together. This is great. Nope. You know, we're gonna go into another season. They're gonna be a team. It's gonna be awesome. They're gonna get a new case or cases or whatever it's gonna be. And I was really enjoying it. And then at one hundred percent completely and totally just just went downhill and sucked. Which is kind of a British thing, but also remember this is based on, I believe, a graphic novel. Yeah. So that that's kind of, I don't know. I've seen a number of British programs like that. Not necessarily Doctor Who, but they like to do that. They like to say, oh, but guess what? You thought it was going to be this? Nope. We've got this for you instead. Well... Okay, Max Landis has a lot in this, and I, I have faith in, 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 in what he can write about or what he'll do. Absolutely. Because I've, I've been a big <laughs> fan. Uh-huh. I'm a big fan of his. You know, even his comic book writing stuff. Yep. And, um, so, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, yeah. I hope that when the second season come out, comes out, it's not just on, uh, BBC America. I hope that they actually put it on Hulu a little faster than this time. Yeah, me too. I would like to see that as well. So, ah, uh, so preacher, preacher, preacher. Yeah, uh, I was so I was really. Uh, I'm just going to say in broad strokes, I was really happy after the last two episodes focusing on Tulip and whatever the hell she had going on. Remember, I yeah. I bemoaned it and said, you know, this is basically ridiculous. It's boring. We don't want this part. This episode, it's like they said, oh yeah, you want crazy here, and uh, kind of up yeah, again. They open up with a Japanese guy and he's sucking something out of your leg. Not just any Japanese guy. It was ordinary Ando. Sorry, ordinary Ando. But they don't tell you what he's taking or what he's drawing or what he's doing. You know, they don't explain any of that until later nope. in the episode. And Correct. then it's like, oh, he's taking a part of their soul. Um, I, I do like how the fact they said, oh, if you we, if you give 15%, well, it's a double payment, and that's $150,000. Yeah. 15% of your soul is only worth $115,000. However, when they sell it, <laughs> and I don't know what portion they sold, whether it was a 10 or 15%, they got $2.7 million. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. But Which I, is apparently available in a credit card form. Yeah. You're rich enough. And I liked how intricate it was it wasn't just like you know they sucked it out and spit it in a vial you know they had to actually like check it measure it they had a special scale that like you could put somebody's something that owns that that belongs to that person on one side of the sample or whatever and then you put the soul on the other side and it'll tell you whether or not it's a match like a donor organ kind of thing yeah and then they have they spin it and put it in pill form and the person has to take it and Yep, and then they've just inherited some soul, and I guess that makes them well again. It seems to be because the first guy there was, you know, his wife. It was either his wife or his mother had dementia, basically. Yeah, and I she got better but, real quick. But anyhow, but yeah, and so essentially, um, of course, these the, the previous episode ended off with the little girl saying that, telling the Santa killers, "I know where." The preacher, preacher is. is. Yep. So she brings him to the apartment building, 
And then, I don't know if she led him to the wrong door on purpose or on accident or whatever, but needless right. to say, he doesn't go to Dennis's apartment first. Uh, and he kills a bunch of people along the way. Yep. And then he finally does get a hold, get, you know, run into Preacher and Dennis and everything. In a, oh, no. That, Sorry. My mistake. They escape first. Yes. But it was such a great scene because the whole thing plays out over them having breakfast and yes. like really diabetes inducing breakfast where like she's made pancakes with M&Ms in them, I think. And then like spelled out their names and candy on top of the pancakes. And they're all just sitting there, like, shooting the breeze, and then the preacher hears, like, a noise. He's like, hmm? And what he heard was a bullet traveling through the walls going into the old giant metal refrigerator. And and ending up in a container of yogurt. Yes. And so he, of course, eventually gets up and looks in the fridge, and that's when he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. I, and I was part of me was thinking like you could still hear Cassidy going on in the background with Tulip, you know, yes. blah 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 blah. And I was like, was this part like? Did they give them direction and say keep talking no matter what? Like, did they give him full lines or were they like just start ad libbing and keep talking? Make sure that it seems like a natural conversation because the camera was focused completely on Jesse and the yoga yeah. and him like yeah. trying to figure it out and dig the bullet out and look at it and realize what it was. But meanwhile, they're just rapping in the back, blah 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 blah. blah. Which was nice because it yes. made it good. It made it like it obviously showed they had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. And instead of having just being silent in the background and eating, yep, it made more sense. I thought exactly. I don't know. But you're right; they got away. They got away. Then they remembered. Oh shit, Dennis. Yep. And so they go back to get Dennis. The preacher does, so he doesn't kill him. And. He says he can give the saint of killers what he wants, which is a soul. Yeah, he basically wants to have a soul so that he can be reunited with his family in the afterlife. But he never says, I'll give you a soul. He goes, I know what you want. I know what you need so that you can get with your family again. Yep. And he goes, and I can give it to you. And he has to leave behind everybody to go out and get it on his own. By 6 p.m. By 6 p.m. But he never says soul. The first time he says it is when he walks into that was it a pawn shop, pawn shop and he's like, hey, I'm looking for a soul. <laughs> yeah. And that's when the guy says, oh, the Japanese have cornered the markets on this. We don't even have them anymore. And that's when you go, oh, that's what that mm -hmm. is. And then they translate the side of the truck because it just, of course, it's right across the street. Yeah. It's like happy soul fun go or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, long and the short of it, Jesse gets himself on the truck with only Endo. And but, dude, it was funny watching him try to get on there because he's, like, banging on the windows and the guys in the front yes. seat flip him off. And then he's banging on the back door and ordinary Endo can't even hear him. He's, like, eating his food because it's apparently hermetically, like, there's no sound going in or out. He can't hear him. He yeah, can't hear yeah. him. And uh, so then he calls Tulip to ask about how to make a bomb to blow up an armored truck. Yes, that's and, right. And he that puts the whole thing together. Awesome. It was great. She's like explaining it to him and he's like, look, just hurry it up. We also, did you notice that he kind of like slipped in there? He was like, I had to get a soul and I had to talk to this guy. And she's like, how do you know all this about that? And he's like, my dad used to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, cause his dad was always a preacher and had the, yeah. uh, church but now you're getting the idea that the reason that he knows about this business and the pawn shop is because his dad was also in the business of extracting and transplanting souls yeah which i'd like to know how they did it if the japanese do it in such an intricate way i'm betting it was you know like 
old-fashioned rusted scales kind of thing. And, you know, you probably it, it was probably one of those businesses that somebody learned from the beginning, you know, from their father who learned it from their father. And that's all they ever did with their life. So they knew how to look at how something was balanced out. That would be my guess. You know, it was like an old school family tradition passed down through the generations, if I had to guess. But <laughs> yeah, but what I mean is like, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. It's just the Japanese have such a very intricate system. Yeah. Modernized of how they did it. So, yep. but yeah, you're right. The whole bomb building scheme was <laughs> hilarious. And then when it blows up and nothing happens. Exactly. The truck doesn't even veer. It's not like they yeah. stop because they heard the explosion. They just keep right on driving. It's like, boom. And there's like car alarms going off and windows broke. And, and then the police show up. up. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a really fast response time for the police. That was pretty damn quick. Yeah. yeah. Unless yeah, they were like but, waiting around the corner and heard the explosion and they're like, let's go do something. Yeah. But the police show up and that's how Jesse ultimately gets the truck to pull over and get someone out of the truck so we can yep. talk to them. Exactly. He gets the police to pull him over. Yep. And so. then he discovered, oh, we discover in the meantime that Dennis, the old man, yes. is actually Cassidy's son. Which I never predicted that from the beginning. I didn't either. And I don't know that I cared enough about that fact when it happened. Like, it's supposed to be this touching moment. And he's like, you know, I've been watching him. And can you imagine having a father like me? And I've only ever wanted to do good. But it didn't feel as, like, genuine and heartfelt as I think they wanted it to. It was more just like, oh, wow, didn't see that coming. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just kind of like, oh, okay, that's why he knows the guy, and he's kind of, and the guy puts up with him, and yep. they kind of tolerate each other, and and I know I like the point of Cassie. So you think I could have learned French by now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but Jesse yeah. now has the armored truck pulled over, and then of course they check every soul on the truck, and none of them are a match for the Santa Killers, except Jesse's. Yep. And so he has to give up part of his soul. And he's like, how much do I have to give up? And I like that it's all based in percentages. You know, it's yes, not just like, I, you got to give a leader or something like that. Yeah. And I love how only Ando goes, what's the minimum I can give? And he goes, 1%. And he goes right into sales mode of, but you won't even miss it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I thought that was hilarious. Even in the scenarios, he went right into <laughs> businessman mode, you know, salesman yeah. mode. So. Trust me, you won't even miss it. Yep. And uh, so, of he course, gets- of course, he gets back just in time, you know, as yep. basically the uh, the state of killers has Tulip on the ground and he's got the saber up over his head and he's going to cut her head off or whatever. And Cassidy comes in and grabs hold of the blade. <laughs> got a really good, even if it was very CGI scene of, you know, him pulling the blade taut and slicing through all of Cassidy's fingers one by one. Oh, cutting them right off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I love the the scene later on. He's like, oh, can you give me a hand? These fingers haven't grown back on yet or haven't healed back on. <laughs> yep. He's got to like, duct tape back on where they belong. <laughs> uh, but he gets there just in time and shoes everybody out so that he can be with the killer. And the yeah. saint of killers takes the pill and suddenly feels, oh, because now he yep. can go to heaven. Now he can be reunited yep. with his loved ones. Yep. And he tells him, get on your, and Jesse tells him, you know, get on your knees and I'll, I'll send you to heaven. And he's like, I don't get on my knees for anyone anymore. And then Jesse goes, on your knees in the Genesis voice. And, 
and he drops. I went, oh shit, that's yep. why he gave him the soul. Now we can control him. Uh-huh. Oh, he's going to double cross him. Oh, and he did too. He well, took yeah, him right to I, well, task. I think he was going to send him to hell until the skin of Kill goes, that's right, just send me and your piece of soul straight to hell type of thing. Yes. Yeah, he was too. He was like ready to tell him. He, he said, you know, I've done it before. I can send you right yeah. to hell. But yeah. he made him disarm and it, it was just great watching the guy like fight. Yes. And then he put him in the back of the armored truck and he buried him. He like sunk him in a marsh. Yeah. In a swamp. And I think this is funny. It's in the town of Angelville. Yes. Isn't that so ironic? Yeah. Don't you think? But it almost, I almost feel like. The, the major storylines, I feel like they've summed up. The Santa Killers is in the ground. Yep. The people hunting Tulip are gone. Essentially, they're all dead, not hunting her anymore. We know that Dennis is Cassidy's son. Other than um, Ass Face Guy in Hell, there's no other. There's like no. Uh, is it me or have all the storylines been kind of cleared up? So where no, do they go next? No, because. He said in this episode, Ordinary Ando told him, you have no idea who you're messing with. So we've got the Japanese who are going to be pissed that there's somebody out there who, you know, stole from them. And we're probably going to see more of that. Uh, we also have that odd organization that the woman worked for that Jesse, quote unquote, oh, rescued. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. Okay, I forgot about her. So, and of we, course, he's still trying to find God. Never mind. All yeah, right, never mind. Yeah, There's we still, still got God going. I just couldn't think of him real quick there. So, um, blood drive, blood drive. So, uh, basically, uh, the last episode we saw that they're going to take Slink out of power, and this episode starts out uh, with the gentleman is giving control of the race. Yes, the he episode goes, is titled The Gentleman's Agreement. And he goes mad with power. Yes, very quickly. Yeah. And a little over the topedly. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's just quickly sum up this storyline. Christopher, so Slink's a janitor now at Heart Headquarters. <laughs> with a hairnet. I don't know why he needs a hairnet to be a janitor. Fair enough, right? Um, but he used, he kind of, he uses Christopher's help, but kind of talking him into it to, uh, unleash some mutated beast that was accidentally created by the same scientist who made the, 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 the blue goo that made everyone fuck each other to death. Mm -hmm. And he basically unlocks this mutated beast from this private hidden cell area and then unleashes him on uh, the mayhem. The, the 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 race area, the mayhem, the mayhem party, yep, take the mayhem party to kill everyone. Um, but going back to Christopher real quick, he promises Christopher that he can adjust his eye thing so that he can see Aki is it Aki Aki, yep, yeah, Aki's what Aki's seeing. And you know, it's funny when we first met her, she seemed very human like. Yep. And now, several episodes later, she is almost one hundred percent robot like. Yes. Yeah, you know? there's no more denying the fact that she is very, very much a robot. And not only that, but she's been reduced by even more by, by saying she's basically just a sex robot. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, but essentially, Christopher sees through Aki's eyes, and the, uh, the, the police sergeant is engaging in some uh, lesbianism with Aki. Mm-hmm. And so he goes and seeks them out. And basically, she reveals that I sent your partner there. I sent you guys down there. I'm the one that got your partner put in the race. I'm the one that got you brought here. You know, because basically you're all useless. And she says just enough so that you see like that scale in, in Christopher's eye basically where he's showing the amount of anger he is. Mm-hmm. And then it goes over the top and he kills her. He flips her head right around yeah. in a circle. Yeah. 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 Because apparently, he, apparently he's in love with Aki. Or he needs her more than he needs the sergeant. I don't know. I feel like he actually is in love with her. Even though with everything that he's done, I think he somehow, some way, is in love with her. And she senses it, apparently. Yeah, and Yep. And so she basically, because she's just like, wait a second. You're nowhere near the level you need to be at to kill somebody. Yep. Uh, you know, and so she somehow unlocks all restrictions on him and tells him he's free to go. <laughs> there you go, cupcake. Yep. Uh, but going back to the race now, the gentleman, yeah, he is uh, mad with mad with power, and he even uh, there's three p three racers coming to the finish line, and he kills them all. Uh, even yeah, though he's not supposed to, boo, boo, boo. blows up all their heads, and then he tries to blow up Grace's head, but it won't work. And Grace is like, you can't kill me inside the confines of here. Yep. And he's pissed off about it. He's like, how did I not know that? And so he gives the scholar the box, and he's like, basically, he berates the scholar a lot in this episode. A lot. Yeah, it really brings him down a lot. And as he's trying to rule civilly and talk with everybody about how things are going to change around here, you know, that mutated beast shows up. And he starts to killing everybody. And Slink gets to the uh, the head of heart or the commission of heart or whatever it is. And it's basically like, hey, if you put, give me the race back, I can go stop him. Yep. And the commissioner's like, fine, do it. So he heads back. And the interim, the gentleman teams up with uh, Grace and Arthur. Not Arthur. Yeah, Arthur. yeah, Jason Arthur. I don't know why I thought it wasn't his name. And basically, it's like, oh, if you kill him, I'll let you go. But we know that's not going to happen. And so they go out and commence the fighting with him. And that's when Slink show. And then that's when Slink shows up. And then the gentleman loses his shit because Slink's there now. And then he berates the scholar even more, calling him useless. I can't. <laughs> There's the line of I can't believe uh, the things I let him do with my precious penis. Yes. Yeah, that was really over the top, but really cool. <laughs> it was such an over the top line that it just made it awesome somehow. Like, and it fit with the show's theme. And basically, he berates the scholar enough. The scholar does rig the control box, but he basically rigs it so that the only person it's going to kill is the gentleman. Mm-hmm. And after Slink kills the the the, be- the the mutated monster beast thing by cutting his head off, uh, he then. Basically unveils that you know, hey, he's the one that drug Grace's sister and forced to, and to force Grace into the race. And he says that in a way to tell the show the gentleman just how ruthless and cruel he is, and how far ahead he's thinking of of everybody in this. Yep. 
And so when the gentleman tries to kill all the racers, he ends up blowing his own head up. Which I kind of like to see. And then when Grace went after Slink, he zapped her brain so hard that she passed out. Yep. Yeah. And there we have it. You know, yeah. what What next? And that was the thing. This whole episode took place at a finish line. There was actually no racing in this at all. Right. Until Unless you got the three people who were coming across and got Correct. Up. Yep. But they were finishing a race that almost everyone else had finished last episode. Yep. And at the end of this episode, basically, he tells everyone to get in their cars and go. And so, the last, so like, you know, we see Arthur put Grace in the car and they take off together. Yep. So. The next episode looks a little odd. Small town, corrupt sheriff. Yeah, it looks, it looks good. Yep. Looks good. Yep. So. I've got three other shows myself. Oh, you do? I do. And I imagine you've got at least one of them, which is the brand new show, Midnight Texas. Yes, I do have that to chat about. Yep. What'd you think of this show? Well, what are the other two shows you have to chat about? Uh, Ozark and Adam Ruins Everything. Okay. Because I'm, I'm, I'm out of shows this week. I got a movie to talk about. I got some TV news and a trailer. Yep. Yeah. And so why don't you tell us about uh, Adam Ruins Everything? Well, on this episode, Adam Ruined Hospitals, which I was kind of happy to hear about because I am not a fan of hospitals. I'm not a fan of doctor's offices. Mostly I'm not a fan of the amount of money that I pay. And that was a big focus of his episode this week. Um, he was talking about how, you know, Americans actually have some of the worst health care in the world and we pay more than any other developed nation in the world. And that doesn't count the undeveloped nations, you know, where they basically have no medical service whatsoever. But in the developed nations of the world, we pay more than anyone else, not even close. And and the reason is it's this document that every hospital has called the charge master, and it's individualized to each hospital. And the way that they broke it down was basically, you know, a hundred years ago, Hospitals would say, you know, okay, it's going to cost us $5 to do an amputation on you, so we're going to charge you 650 so that we make a little money, you know, and can pay the salaries and pay for the electricity or whatever. Um, so that's how business works. We all understand that. But once insurance companies started popping up, then the insurance companies were the ones who were paying the hospitals for their services. And they started harassing the hospitals and saying, look, we're sending you all these new clients. We're getting you new customers. We expect a discount. We want a discount on what you're charging us because we're basically feeding you customers. And the hospitals were like, but we barely make any money as it is. And the insurance company's like, we don't care. We want a discount so that we feel valued. So what the hospitals did with the insurance companies is they said, how about this? We'll grossly overinflate our prices, like massively, and then we'll give you discounts on those rates. So they'll take things like he was showing some of the examples, you know, a tube that runs from an IV bag to your arm might cost a dollar, but the hospital billing system has it down as $137 just for the tubing. You know, all these different things Uh Recently, my mom went to the hospital and she got a sling on her arm. And it's a, you know, if you go to like Walmart or something, it's like $15, $20. They charged her like 80 And then they also charged an additional 500 for helping her put it on. 
this sounds like you're going to a mechanic. Pretty much. Uh, like you go to a mechanic and you have to have parts for your car, and I can buy these parts online mm-hmm. for probably, let's just say, 100 bucks. Yep. But if I get them from the mechanic, then I'm going to be spending $300 on the same parts. Yep. Exactly. And that doesn't include the labor to install them. Precisely. Yeah. So the hospitals, each hospital has its own charge master book or record or whatever that tells them this is what we charge and this is what it costs us. So they, they jack up the prices exorbitantly and then say to the insurance companies, oh, well, you're going to get 50% off the, our prices. That way the insurance companies tell their boss, hey, we got a discount of 50%. The bosses are happy. The insurance companies are happy. The doctors are happy. But those prices still stay there for people who don't have insurance or whose insurance won't cover it. So you go into the hospital and you get charged, you know, $6,000 for a CAT scan. It's only because of this stupid screwed up system that is made up from the ground up to please the insurance companies. And they get to charge us the same rates. And they were asking, you know, well, how do they get away with this? It's because for the past several decades, the uh, medical lobbyists have done more lobbying in Congress than oil and defense combined. So they have spent just absolute billions of dollars to keep these rules the way that they are so that we're all kind of screwed over in that respect. They got to do something about that. I mean, I'm not going to go on a tirade about this because it's not what this podcast is about. Right. But just like, you know, when, when it's obscene, it is, it is just obscene. I mean, first of all, you look at how much, look at how much we spend a pay period on insurance. Yep. You look at how much the state, because we, we both work for the state. You look how much how the state spends on us for insurance. Yep. It's in the thousands of dollars a year. That we pay for insurance for every employee. Mm-hmm. I have some years where I don't even go to the hospital or I don't right. even go to the doctors. Right. The $300 copay for an emergency room visit that we have makes me not want to go to the emergency room ever. If exactly. there's something wrong with my kids, I'm going to sit there and go, can we wait this out? Or can we go to urgent care? Because urgent care is 25 bucks. Yeah. Exactly. You know, as opposed to going to the emergency room. So it makes me, it makes me not even want to go to the emergency room. And then as emergency medical dispatchers, I also think about, oh, great. Uh, all these different people that we send an ambulance to, to go to the emergency room when they don't really have an emergency, they really don't need to go. But yet that's still going to be paid by somebody. Yep. And a lot of those people, they're on, main care or Medicaid or assisted insurance. So ultimately I feel like we're paying for it in the end anyways. See, that's why I didn't want to go down this road. It's a very (laughs) frustrating cycle. It is. And the fact, when I saw that part, I rewound it and watched it again because I couldn't believe it. But, you know, he went on to talk about out of network. You always hear that. Oh, that's an out of network service. Oh, you're not covered by that. It's out of network. They get to make up what's in and out of network. The insurance companies do. And because each hospital has their own charge master file, then they get to decide what the prices are, whether you're in network or out of network or what they charge in general. It's kind of ridiculous. It would be like if you went to a store and, you know, like a normal gas station, we'll say, and they told Pine State, you know, we'll we'll buy all of our candy from you. And Pine State was like, well, if we're giving you all of our candy, then, you know, we want to be able to have a discount on the prices. You know, we, we don't want to uh, – we want to be able to charge you a little bit more. And they were like, well, fine. We'll just really exorbitantly inflate the prices. You know, a candy bar will be $600. 
And then, you know, we'll knock it down a little bit for you so that, you know, you feel better about yourself. And then we still get screwed paying it. It's utterly ridiculous to think about the way that this works. And you're right. We could go on and on about this all day. But I have to bring up one more. Sure. Just as another prime example of what you talk about, each hospital has their own charge book. Okay. So this was a few, this was six years ago, seven years ago now. Okay. My insurance at the time for dental insurance, I'm going to, let's just say I had, I, 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 my dentist, I was tired of my dentist because my dentist didn't even have a freaking computer in there. So like I had to go and fill out, hand fill out my paperwork with my insurance information every single time. And I had gone in there and they had replaced a filling like four times. And ultimately what it was is they never, they had, they had drilled out a cavity put a medicated filling in because there's a deep cavity, never drilled the medicated filling out all the way before putting in the permanent filling. So it continued to decay underneath the medicated filling because they never drilled it all the way out. So the new filling could never properly attach in there because there was not, you know what I mean? It didn't have that solid surface to attach to. So the filling kept falling out. So I went to a different dentist. I just, I went to this other dentist that I had heard was awesome. Okay. And it was Pine Tree Dental, I think it was. I don't care. So I go. I have my filling done. She drills this tooth. She explains what happened. She drills forever to put this filling in. Okay, hasn't fallen out again in you know the seven eight years it's been. But anyways, but she basically drilled as deep down as she could without actually going. All right, sorry, you need a root canal type of thing. I go up to pay, and they're like, "Oh, that'll be two hundred and seventy dollars." I went, "Oh no, I have insurance." They went, "Oh no, that is with the insurance." And I was like, what? Like, I was just, I couldn't believe it. So this is what it was. I, I looked into it, and I ended up changing dentists because of it. And here's what it is. My insurance would pay, let's just say, on a one-sided amalga filling, they would pay $110. No matter where I went or what the dentist office charged, this is what they charged. Pine Tree Dental charged $300 for a one-sided amalga filling. However, um, more in dental in Farmingdale, they charged $140 for a one-sided amalgam filling. So does that mean the dentist in Farmingdale is not doing as good of a job as the dentist as the dentist in Augusta because they charge less money for the same service? I'm going to say no to that one by the way. I, no, they're not doing any less service because I went to the foreign I went to the the dentist in Farmingdale. And I said to the lady, my new dentist there, because I, I, she commented like, you know, what brings you here or whatever. And I so I went to Pine State, and then I had to take out a second mortgage to pay for my filling, so I decided I wasn't going to go there anymore. And she laughed, and she said, oh, yeah. She goes, I worked there for five years as a dentist. I just left to come here to start my own practice. So that's the charge book to me that you're talking about. Yeah, that's exactly what the charge book is. The charge book is simply – they get to say what they want to charge for prices and any business does get to do that. But when all they're doing is like disgustingly overinflating their prices and when it's a service that you need, like I can choose not to go to the, to J and S and get a candy bar. Right. I don't need to do that. But if I get sick or I break a limb or something like that, I have to go to the hospital. Right. You know, and you're not going to sit and take the time to like price out. Oh well, geez, which is going to be the the more, less expensive hospital? Yeah, exactly. Right. right. So yeah, that whole part was very ridiculous. Uh, yeah. 
the rest of it was it like it kind of slid downhill a little bit. It was a little less um, bad. I think that was the main point they wanted to get across. But after that, they were talking about how antibiotics are way overprescribed these days because they give you them for everything because they're very cheap. Antibiotics are created very – it's mold, people, you know. Um, so they're very cheap. So they just basically throw them at you. They're like, oh, you got a sniffle? Here you go. Colds are caused by viruses, not bacteria. Antibiotics oh, no. destroy bacteria, not oh, viruses. Th- think about how many people that you talk to, though, that would be like, oh, I didn't feel that good. So I went to my doctor's and got a Z-Pack. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's like they I, – I don't – go to the doctors unless I have to. I don't like to take medication unless I have to. I yep. don't take antibiotics unless I'm like, God, I, you know, I ultimately absolutely have to. But then you have others that just like, oh, I don't feel good. I have a sniffle. Quick, give me some antibiotics. Yep. So. The, uh, basically, they were talking about, and this is something that a lot of people know, but some people don't. Um, whenever antibiotics are used in a uh, area, in a person, etc., they're always runs the risk that you will find some resistant bacteria to the antibiotics. Especially if, like, you're given a 14-day supply and you only take half of them and you feel better and you're like, nah, I'm fine. Well, you killed off the easy-to-find ones, but you didn't kill off all of them. So the ones that are left are now, it's basically like they got a flu shot. So they're going to become resistant to that particular form of antibiotic. And in the future, it's not going to affect them at all. Well, it's very easy, too, for bacteria to replicate and spread this on. So it's not just those few that are in your body. Everything that you touch, everybody you come in contact with is becoming resistant as well. So apparently it's been since the 80s since we have actually had a new kind of antibiotic that's been produced because the drug companies don't bother because they don't make any money on them. They're so cheap and easy to manufacture that there's no reason to go looking for a new one. And uh, so... Basically, if they continue down this road, and this is like a gloom and doom kind of thing, but if it continues down this road with more and more bacteria becoming resistant to antibiotics and we're not producing new types of antibiotics to fight them, then it's going to essentially mean the end of modern medicine because, you know, infections that you get from surgeries or cuts or basically anything – that's the one thing that they don't want to have in a hospital, but it happens all the time. Well, yep. if you get an infection and you can't fight it with antibiotics, you're screwed. You know, it's back to the dark days before they had penicillin and hoping that somebody doesn't get sick. And if they do, well, cut off the leg. Yep. Hope it didn't spread yeah. enough. So, Well, that was quite the tangent we went on on the medical field. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to get into the mammogram part because it's... Oh, geez. Yeah, no. It's... No. It was touchy at best, like not touchy as in like I want to touch breasts, but it like a lot of the numbers that they get. Basically, this is what they say. Don't go in as early for mammograms or prostate exams and don't get them as frequently in life. Don't get them all the time. Don't get them as early in life. They're not that reliable. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Mm. So you said that you did watch Midnight Texas? I did watch Midnight Texas. Um, I enjoyed the first episode. Okay. What yeah. did you enjoy about it? What did I enjoy about it? Okay, well, uh, we met a bunch of different characters. Yeah. Uh, we met, uh, what's it, Manfred? Was that a guy's name? 
to be honest with you, I just right up front, I did not like the show very much, so I did not pay no? a lot of attention. But Oh, really? What yep. didn't you like about it? Um, I didn't like how cheesy it felt. I didn't like how it felt like they were trying to push too much stuff in the very first episode. Like, right from the get-go, they're like, and now we're going to introduce 30 new characters, and we're going to oh, tell you all the yeah. backstories of everybody and oh, all this I get stuff. That. And, it, it just felt a little rushed and a little cheesy, and the shirtless dude with the wing arms just, I, I didn't know what that was for other than just, like, for ladies to go, ooh. He was like an angel? Yeah. But it was kind they of Essentially, weird. okay, so the interest, the, the main character is a guy named Manfred. He's a psychic. He actually can see dead people. He can summons them in to come in, and he's he's a gypsy. Yep. And he comes from a long line of gypsies. And his grandmother was a gypsy woman, but she was the old school ripped people off type gypsy. Right. And she stole like two million from the dollars from this guy named Hightower. And, and a couple of times in the episode, he calls Manfred and basically is like, I'm coming for you. I know you're in Texas, you know? Yeah. Um, and basically he's on the run and his, his, he, his dead grandmother shows up a lot in, and, you know, in, t- in the, the caravan with him. And she's just basically like, all right, go to Midnight, Texas. You'll be safe there. Right. So he shows up in this town and he meets throughout the course of the episode. We meet like a girl who's like a witch. And we meet, like I said, a fallen angel. And we meet a vampire. And we meet a reverend who I don't know if he's a werewolf, but he's definitely something because he makes comment about the full moon's coming and I'll be useless to you guys. I won't be around. And, and yeah, you're right. They did pump a lot of characters at us. They, you know, but see, I just look at that as typical pilot episode overload. When you have a show and they want to try to sell the show, they make a pilot and in the pilot, they just pump everything in there that they can to make it appealing and to hopefully get picked up so then they can tell a better, slower-paced story. So I'm going to watch the second episode at some point here yep. to see if it slows down a little bit. Because you're right, they 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 pumped a lot into this episode, but it's not like where it was hooting in the lady and it was all easy to watch, pumped and fun and comic and this and that and everything and free-flowing. They pumped a lot into this episode, but... There's a lot of unanswered story, unanswered questions or curiosities or some confusion or whatever because it's not really spelled out in front of you. But um, I don't know. I liked it. And I didn't hate it, but I definitely was like, eh, uh, this isn't really getting me. You know, uh, essentially you have the townsfolk and the group of supernatural people. And the local sheriff is just like, I told you she's a witch. I told you she's a witch. And the other guy's like, what are you talking about? And there is kind of a scene at the end where they're arresting a guy, one of theirs from their group that they're arresting. And the witch basically starts to crumple the front end of the police cruiser and raise it up off the ground. Mm -hmm. And you have the sheriff or the deputy inside who's basically like, "Um, I told you she's a witch. You look what she's doing. I can't believe this. And he's just like either in complete denial of what's happening or a moron. 
But essentially, he's like, what are you talking about? This isn't that odd. What, your car's been levitated off the ground, and the front end is collapsing on it. And then she stops what she's doing, and the car drops back down, and all the dents and everything come out of it. And it looks like there's nothing wrong with it. And they start the engine and pull away, and they step aside and everything. So, yep. I don't know. It's like you have the townsfolk know that there's something different about these people, and some of them are cool with it, some of them aren't, some of them are afraid of them, some of them aren't. But other than the, the law enforcement aspect of it, they didn't really jump into the townsfolk people too much as far as their feelings of the, right. of the whole group or not. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I, I look forward to watching the second episode to oh, see yeah, where Oh, yeah, I'll goes. definitely check out the second episode. Yeah. I, I'm still not sold on it yet, but who knows? It might grow on me more. Yeah, it's yeah, it's unusual for me to really like a showing you not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is a little weird. Huh. So Ozark, I, Ozark, I plan on watching it at some point. Yep. What'd you think of it? Ozark is a Netflix series. It's ten episodes long. Each episode's about an hour. The last episode is about an hour and a half. And uh, I seem to be falling into the same majority as most of the internet in that. I started watching this and I couldn't stop myself. It yep. was really compelling. It was really good. It It's hard for me to describe what it is exactly that I liked about it because if I started listing off the qualities of the show, it sounds terrible. You know, it's very dark. There's a lot of killing. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of whining. There's uh, some high stakes. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. It, it sounds like a very boring, generic kind of premise. But... The gist of it is this, and you get this in the first episode, Jason Bateman is a quote-unquote legitimate businessman. Him and his partner launder money for a drug cartel. And in the first episode, the drug cartel realizes that... Legitimate businessman. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> nope. Well, they realize that, you know, uh, somebody has been skimming and somebody's been screwing them over. So they proceed to kill everyone, and they're about to kill Jason Bateman. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. And basically offers them a deal, says, I can launder the $8 million that they stole from you. As a show of good faith, I can do this by myself. I can launder your money. And if I do, you leave me and my family alive. And they tentatively take him up on the offer. And he relocates his family from Chicago to the Ozarks of Missouri, which this was a shocking thing for me because for some reason in my life, I had never thought that much about the Ozarks. But when I think Ozarks, I think hillbillies down in Mississippi. And it's Missouri. It's Ozark Lake and the mountain range and and... Yeah. So anyway, um, the show is very dark. I never watched Breaking Bad, but it feels like the same kind of thing that you would see in Breaking Bad. Jason Bateman is fucking phenomenal. Like, he always does the deadpan funny stuff really well. And that same mentality, that same attitude comes across in this as deadpan um, seriousness. Like, he keeps shit together. He comes up with really good plans. The show is really, really good. Like, there are some aspects of it I didn't like, but I got around them. You know, they have a teenage daughter and a, like, preteen son. He might be, like, 12 or something. They might have said his age at some point. Um, and those two are very generic type. You know, the boy's a little weird, and he's going through a weird phase. The girl, of course, wants to go back and see her friends and be with her friends, and she doesn't like this. But... One thing that I would give this credit for is that 
everyone is really honest with everyone else. Like the kids find out right off that they're down there because dad launders money and there are people that will kill them if they don't take care of stuff. And his wife is having an affair in the beginning and he finds out right in the beginning and confronts her right in the beginning. So it's not one of these shows where like people have hidden secrets and they're walking around and you're like, when are they going to find out? When aren't they? No, everybody pretty much puts everything out on the table pretty early on. Um, and you also learn a lot about money laundering. You learn a lot about organized crime and in good ways, you know, almost like a bird notice kind of thing, except for it's not the narrative overtones. It's just, you're immersed in it. And you find out a lot about it, and it kind of makes me not want to be a criminal. Like, I don't know if that's a good thing, like, if that's what the show was going for, but they showed how dangerous and fucked up this can be. And it made me be like, I I don't think I would ever want to get near organized crime because of how screwed up this stuff is. So I got to give them kudos for that, whether they were planning it or not. But strongly suggest this to anybody who likes a good kind of thrilling drama. I'll put it this way. I usually have background shows where like I'm playing a game on the computer and I've got the show on. I can just kind of like glance over at it. And in this case, I couldn't play my game. I kept having to pause the game and stare at the screen. And pretty soon I just put the game up and went over and sat in my chair and watched this show intently. And every episode I've watched intently, I've finished the whole season and it was great. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do for the second season. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I look to, uh, I look to check it out myself. Yeah. Uh, I'm serious. Everybody should check this out at least once. The, it's pretty messed up, but pretty great at the same time. I, uh, I, my, my, myself personally, I started watching it, um, once and I, I, why did I stop watching it? I started it. I started. I hear the the Bayman overview, and I saw. You know what I mean. And then uh, I had to shut it off for some reason, and I just haven't gone back to turn it on again. But I do plan on checking it out. So, excellent. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, you and I went and saw a movie together. We did. We went and saw Baby Driver. Baby Driver. And I will say this: from the trailer, the premise of the movie I got was he was the getaway driver. For a heist crew, yep. and something went wrong. Yep, and that's kind of what it was about. Except yep. it was a lot different too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a lot different. Um, the one thing I did not pick up from the trailer is just how much music affects this episode and this kid and his life and how he goes about life. Everything in this movie is music. If you thought Guardians of the Galaxy was based around its soundtrack. This movie is way more based on its soundtrack. Yes. Yes, it is. But they do some really cool tricks, too, because you see in the previews he's got earbuds in, and he has earbuds in a lot of the movie. And you get to a point where you don't even realize that you're hearing music. Like, in every scene, you're hearing different soundtracks, different songs. And, uh, like, somebody will go to talk to him, and they'll pull out one of the earbuds. And you still hear everything the same way, except for the music in the background gets a little bit lower. And then he puts the earbud back in, and it gets a little bit louder again. And I really liked that. I liked that they were, like, recognizing the immersion factor there. Kind of putting us in his uh, head a little bit, I guess. Yeah, they unveiled that uh, the reason he had the earbuds in all the time is because of an accident he had. 
and it basically left with like a non-stop humming noise. Yep, tinnitus. And, the tini- okay, and so he uses the earbuds to drown out the noise. Yep. But also, like, he plots kind of his driving is heavenly influenced based on what's on the radio, what he's listening to. And exact timings, too. There are a couple of times when it'll throw him off, so he'll have to, like, rewind a track by 15 seconds Yeah, to get back to the spot that he was at because, yeah, yeah it's it's almost a Rain Man kind of thing, but not really. He's fully functioning person. Right, right. But it's... um. It's it's solid. Yeah. I think the first time that he took both earbuds out and was running along the street and suddenly there was no music, it was just the sounds of the street, it really threw me off. It was weird, yes. Yeah. And that's yes. when you realize, holy crap, we've been listening to music like through this whole thing. Yeah, I mean like it I mean there really is a lot of music in this. And it's not really recognizable. There's one or two songs you might recognize, but for the most part it's some obscure stuff. Yeah, but it's it's good. It's good. Uh, it's all good stuff. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's actually. I mean, there's the, the the sound. It's a really good soundtrack. I mean, the movie's written and directed by uh, Edgar Wright. Yes. So that that means he and started to do Ant Man before it was taken from him. Yeah. I I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I would not put it up there as one of my top summer movies and like, oh, this was so great. But I really enjoyed this movie, and I will definitely be checking it out again once it's you know on Netflix or whatever. Um, it seems like a good, fun popcorn movie. You know, something that you can have on in the background or that you're like, hey, I just feel like getting amped up tonight. I'm going to watch Baby Driver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I would recommend people go watch it. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we got any trailers or news or anything? Yep. Uh, I've got two trailers and some news items. Um, one of my trailers I have is called Happy Death Day. Did you watch that one? I did not. Okay. Well, Happy Death Day is one of our favorite type of stories. It's a time loop story. Nice. Uh, except this is a horror movie, okay. and hence the Happy Death Day. Basically, it comes out comes out Friday, October thirteenth. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, essentially, what it is is this: uh, it's it's this time loop story. It's involving a sorority girl, and she is murdered on her birthday, so Death Day, and she wakes up that morning. She wakes up again every morning of her birthday. Uh, where she went to bed the night before, obviously, and that's going to be at uh, some. She had a one-night stand with a guy. And so she wakes up at his place every day. So it has that awkward wake-up moment every time. And essentially, she goes about her day until somebody murders her. And then she wakes up again. And so we don't know how she got stuck in the time loop based on the trailer or what caused it. We just know that she gets killed a lot in the show. And we don't know who the killer is, obviously, in the trailer. But it looks really good. It looks pretty damn solid, actually. So, yeah. And it's different because it's horror as opposed to comedy or sci-fi. So what did you watch your trailers? So uh, one of them was called Future Man, and it's going to be a Hulu original series. And it's by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, who most recently have brought us Preacher, but otherwise have brought us lots of funny stuff. And uh, this is the only description on Hulu's page. A janitor by day slash world-ranked gamer by night is tasked with preventing the extinction of humanity after mysterious visitors from the future proclaim him the key to defeating the imminent super race invasion. 
and it looks ridiculous. The the trailer doesn't even show the show itself. It's like a behind the scenes, and Seth Rogen is walking with Josh Hutcherson, who's going to be the star of it, and he's telling him that you know they wanted to do something more realistic, so they're using real laser guns. Wow, and, that was hilarious. Yeah, and he like blows off Josh Hutcherson's arm and shoots somebody else, and. I'm looking forward to this. It's an all-star cast. It's got Josh Hutcherson, who you may know him from like the Hunger Games and a few other things. Eliza Coop, who of course, Happy Endings, um, scrubs the last season there. Uh, Derek Wilson, Glenn Headley, Ed Bagley Jr., and then, uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are producing it. And it's gonna be awesome. I can't wait to see that. It's nice. Yep. Yeah, it does look good. Um, was, what's the other trailer? Is it that, uh, Comrade Detective? It is Comrade Detective. Oh my god, that looks awesome. <laughs> Tell us I why that looks awesome. I was not expecting that. <laughs> T- Tell us about Comrade Detective, Mike. Okay, so basically it opens up with Channum Tating. Uh, is that how I say his name? Channing yeah. Tatum. Ch- Channing Tatum. And his, his like, assistant brings him a package. And he opens it up, and it's a VHS tape. He's like, go get me a VCR and some vodka. (laughs) And he pops in this VCR tape, and essentially, it's like this movie he's been looking for. And it's an old Russian, like, detective movie. Like, but it takes place during the Soviet Union, like, in 1983. And apparently... When he pops the movie in, we're now watching the movie he's watching, except all the characters have been voice dubbed by actors we know. Uh-huh. And the characters in the movies are actors we don't know. So here's what I don't know. I did no research on this after I watched the trailer. Me either. Is th- okay, so I don't know if this is a legit movie that these, like, Chanum Tating and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and whatnot are actually doing the voiceover, like they're doing the voice dubbing on. Or if this is – they went out and made a movie and then did voice dubbing with actors that we don't know. Because I didn't recognize a single actor Okay, this on is, the screen. This is what I've got from one article that I pulled up today Okay, that, that is the only kind of research. It's talking about how it sounds familiar. It's going to be a six-episode Amazon Prime series that premieres Friday. Oh, I Friday thought it was a school. movie. I thought no. it was going to be a movie. Okay. It says, but there's a twist, and it requires a bit of explanation. First off, Comrade Detective is a comedy and a pretty sly one at that. This goofy good time show is, in fact, a fake detective drama. Okay. It purports to be a long-lost 1980s Romanian crime drama rescued from obscurity, digitally remastered, and dubbed for an American audience. The idea is that in the midst of the decade's Cold War rhetoric, the Romanian government created its own version of an American cop show a style-heavy action-packed series that not only entertained its citizens, but also promoted communist ideals and inspired a deep nationalism. It was wildly popular, we are told, but sadly faded from memory after the collapse of the Berlin Wall. The introduction of the first episode is presented with all the earnestness of an art house rediscovery. Don't gag, it's just a gag. Indeed, the entire series is one big elaborate joke, and you'll enjoy being in on the joke. You're, you enter into an antic sprint of these tongue-in-cheek proceedings, playing along in a Mystery Science Theater 3000 kind of way. To make the joke well, that's work, awesome. Yeah, to make the joke work, Romanian actors go through their 80s paces, touching on all of the then-standard tropes and techniques. They recall the era in hilarious detail, but with an Iron Curtain spin. Then they're dubbed by an impressive English-loving cast, led by Channing Tatum and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty awesome. It is. It's pretty awesome. Like, and again, <laughs> like you said, you have these actors or actors or whatever 
and I don't recognize anyone that's in it at all. No. So no. the actual physical actors, the voice actors. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like for instance, I'm on IMDb now, and this guy named Florin uh, Piercek Jr. He was he's actually was born in 1968 in Romania, and he graduated from whatever. Uh, some film and theater company, whatnot. But uh, he's been acting for 15, 17 years or whatever it is, or 20 years or something. And I don't recognize the damn thing he's in. So that's funny. But no. regardless, like, it just looks great. It looks hilarious because it looks completely different. Absolutely. You know, when was the last time that you could tell somebody, yeah, I'm watching this show that's a fake Romanian 80s cop buddy show that's yeah. dubbed by highly prolific American actors? Yeah. Yeah. I love it, actually. I just, I loved the trailer from the get go. And I, I messaged a I, I shared it in a group and I'm like, check this trailer out. And one was like, oh, Chan, I'm tanning, forget it. And then suddenly, like, I'm not watching anything Amazon until we get. Uh, Jean Claude Van Johnson, and then I was like, "Just watch the trailer, dicks." So, <laughs> but um, so I got some news on something that AMC's up to. Oh yeah, what are they up to? I read this on iHorror today. Well, I got an email from them, and I read it from there. They're working on three antholo- horror anthology series. Okay, uh, television shows. So once they lost Tales from the Crypt, they decided to. Wait, was nope. that that was TNT? AMC, not TNT. Yeah, thank you, TNT. Yeah, AMC, you know, the home of the Walking Dead. Yep. So the first one is called Shock Theater, and uh, Greg Nicotero, which you may recognize oh, that name. Yes, I do. He's going to direct and produce, and apparently, it's going to be a weekly. Uh, every uh, episode is going to be a new story that that pays tributes to B movies, classic nice. B movies. Okay. Uh, the next one is called Underbelly. And examines the darker side of pop culture related to the fan experience, celebrity greed, alienation, obsession, and vanity. Uh, executive produced by Daniel Conley and Chris Hardwick. Nice. Yeah. And then the last one is the one I'm the most interested in. It's okay. going to be put out by Jason Blum of Blumhouse. And okay. And he's done some great shit with Get Out, Split, Insidious. Mm-hmm. It's called Wicked West. And it's nonfiction horror anthology series about the most horrific and 100% true tales of the Wild West. Stories of sadistic serial killers, murderous black widows, bloodthirsty family clans, and local legends traced with laced with the supernatural. So it's going to be... I'm, I, they say it's nonfiction. I'm going to go... There's probably going to be quite a bit of urban legends or stories passed down, or maybe just even accounts from actual newspaper clippings when they produced it. They, you know, they, they would report it as actual news when, you know, it was a bit different back then. Right. Um, but, yeah. I'm pretty pretty jacked about the idea of all three of these i can't wait to see how they play out but the wicked west one is the one that i uh it's 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 drawn to me the most nice yeah and it's supposed to be from what i gathered a true anthology series because like right now you have like uh was it scream queens um american horror story american horror story scream queens that channel zero that was on that's on sci-fi black mirror Uh, no, 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 hold on. They okay. call all those anthology series, mm-hmm. but each season is a new story. To me, an anthology series, each episode is a standalone story, gotcha. like Black Mirror. Black Mirror, each episode is its own story upon itself. 
from one episode to the next. A la Tales from the Crypt, The Outer Limits, The Twilight Zone. You know what I mean? Like to me, Ray Bradbury Theater, The Hitchhiker, whatever. Right. Those are all um, anthology series. And it's funny because I had just been kind of like – I. I, I kind of reminiscing or jonesing or whatever you want to call it. I'm trying to find old episodes to see if anyone's streaming episodes of uh, uh, Dead Man's Gun Yep. recently. I don't know if you remember watching that or not. It's an anthology series. The host was actually Chris Chris, Chris, Chris Christofferson. And the premise of this show was there was a gun. And each episode, someone would get a hold of this gun. And it basically, it's a cursed gun that causes people to kill themselves, kill each other or whatever. And then ultimately, at the end of the episode, they're either dead or arrested or whatever's happened, but the gun's gone. And then the next episode, it finds its way into someone else's hands. But it all takes place around the Old West. And it's the only anthology series I knew of that was kind of like that. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, it's kind of neat. So nice. I'm looking forward to, to seeing what these, uh, what they, what they do with these shows. Yeah, so. that sounds cool. Yeah. But uh, that's about it for me. Okay, I got a few uh, news articles as well. Yeah. Uh, this one I was actually really excited about. Nielsen, the Nielsen ratings people. Yeah. They've announced that they're actually going to start including in their numbers uh, viewership from Hulu and YouTube. Really? Yeah. Which YouTube. is pretty big. Well, there are some shows that, you know, they put up their episodes on YouTube or on their YouTube channels. So... Yeah. It would be nice for them to actually put that in there so that you can have, you know, good numbers that aren't necessarily just the people who have set top boxes or, uh, DVRs, direct TV, et cetera. Maybe we'll start seeing fewer of these shows canceled because, you know, oh, well, only three million people watched them. Well, yeah, that was on network TV, but, you know, another six million people watched it on Hulu the next day. Yep. Yeah, no, I think they definitely should count those. I mean, yep. I watch the majority of my programming on Hulu. Yep. Or Netflix. A lot of people do these days. Yeah. Yep. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Um, Tom Willing, who you may remember as Clark Kent from Smallville. I say, don't call him Superman, whatever you do. No. Because you'll raise my ire. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know better. Uh, he'll be joining season three of Lucifer as a regular recurring character. He's going to play a um, well-dressed, well-groomed, cocky detective, I guess, mm. who's going to give Lucifer a run for his money. Has he done anything really since Smallville? Nope. I think he did The Mist, right? Or, no, it wasn't The Mist. It was one of those, like, The Fog. Yeah, but that was when Smallville was still running. Okay. Then yeah, he has. I'm anything. pretty sure that was like in like in in between seasons. Um, Michael Emerson, I assume you recognize. I like him. him. Yeah, I like him. Uh, I like Linus. Gonna, he's going to be joining Arrow next season. Really? They have not said what his role will be, but he is going to be joining the cast of Arrow. Huh? I'd love for him to be a villain. I think he would make a phenomenal villain. Tom Welling is 40 years old. Yeah. You think he would make a phenomenal zil- villain? Of course he would. <laughs> you saw him as Linus on, on Lost. He's I basically know. a villain there. Yep. Um, 
Now, I don't watch Kevin Can Wait because I don't care to watch Kevin Can Wait, but they had announced this past year that Leah Re- uh, Remini, she showed up for like one or two episodes, something like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've, I've kind of seen this drama unfold yeah. on, uh, on, my, on my Facebook timeline here and there. Yeah, so basically Aaron Hayes, who played his wife, is going to be killed off. Like they already said she wasn't coming back, but now yeah. they've officially announced that the show is going to pick up a year after the season finale and yeah. she's dead and he's now a widower with the kids and Leah Remini is going to be back on as like a serious role. I don't know what happened there, but for them to actually literally kill her off tells me that they were telling her you're never coming back ever, ever, ever go fuck yourself. Yeah. So that kind of sucks. I mean, you know, King of Queens proved that the combination of Kevin, Kevin James and Leah Remini works, but kind of a shitty move on their part, I guess it is. You know, it would have been one thing to just be like, no, she won't be coming back. But to actually kill her off, it's like, that's poor form. Yeah. Um, You know, I I was trying to find this link that I had read the other day, and I wanted to present it to you and be like, oh, geez, dude, what do you think of these things? And uh, I think I was going to bring it up to you last night, but obviously we got sidetracked. And and essentially what it was, it's like um, when you think about these movies in this way, it gives a whole new meaning to it. Like – the bad guy, Mrs. Doubtfire, was played by Pierce Bronson, but he's not really a bad guy at all. He's actually very loving, very patient, kind. Absolutely. Uh, stepfather to those children. And even when Robin Williams' character tries to kill him at one point, he's still kind and forgiving. <laughs> yep. Um, back to the future, you know, when Marty McFly changes and he comes back and his mom and dad and brother and they've all got their shit together and their lives are different and they're all completely different people. Uh, basically says Marty will never know the family he, he did, he, he knew and loved because they're not them anymore. Like things like that. I'm like, like they just kind of tweaked. You know, your point of view on these TV shows or movies or whatever like that, it just makes you kind of go, oh, hey, I didn't think of it like that. I guess it's actually kind of sad. I guess that wasn't so great. Pierce Bronson wasn't a bad guy in this show. (laughs) Well, I like the guy, and I'm sure you saw it. I think we've talked about it before, who proved that Johnny was actually the good guy in The Karate Kid and Daniel was the bad guy. Are you talking about uh, Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother? No, no. There was somebody on the internet who actually put together a video montage and explained it, and he makes oh, good points. Awesome. You know, he's like, he's like Johnny was just out on the beach playing with his friends, and and then Daniel comes up and knocks things over. You know, Daniel's picking a fight with him in every scene. Johnny's just trying to roll a joint in the bathroom, enjoy the dance. <laughs> Daniel goes in and hoses him down. <laughs> you know, he picks the fight. Every single time. And and if you watch the clips and you listen to this guy, it's the same thing as you were just describing. You're like, yeah, yeah. Daniel was a dick. Yeah. I'm going to try to find that link again so we can maybe talk about it next week or whatever. But I read them all and I was like, oh, my goodness. All right. Like, I never thought of it in this way. But, okay, yeah. Yeah. Pierce Bronson was the good guy in this. You know, just things like that. I don't know. I think it's funny. Um, The... uh Hartley Sawyer has been cast as the elongated man in the next season of Flash. So we'll be getting to see the elongated man. Yay. Uh, and they have promised the, the people who are in charge of the Flash have promised that, uh, their little experiment in season three where everything was dark like Arrow is done and they're going to go back to having oh, fun with the show. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Yes. Cause that's where the we show We talked comes from. about that. One of the things we yeah. liked was how kind of it was the opposite where Arrow, everything on Arrow was dark and bleak and, you know, filtered or whatever and now everything on flash was bright and sunny and yeah right. even when even even it was bad it was you know exactly so um and then <laughs> i had to 
bring this up. I know that I talked to you about it, but the Emoji Movie oh, debuted Jesus. to a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's still too much. It, it's at six percent right now. Just to give you a, a reference point, Pixels was at nine percent originally. Yeah, and. That's all I'm going to say about that. Isn't um, the Fantastic Four the latest one? Isn't that at like 14 percent or something? Oh, now I got to know. Hold on. Yeah, I just had this. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure it is because Pixels is sitting at 16 percent right now. But Fantastic Four. Oh, hold on. Um, the other one that I wanted to share while I'm looking that up. Yep. And, and I think you'll really appreciate this is, uh, they talked to Zach Braff recently. They were doing it. Yeah. Fantastic Four is sitting at 9% right now. 9%. There yeah. you go. And yeah. the emoji movie is at 6%. Hey, so. just while we're here, what's Batman vs. Superman sitting Oh, oh that's a good For one. Curiosity. Yes. Yes. Just curiosity. Cause did that level out yet? You know, I need all of my focus for this one. Yeah. Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Oh, wow. That's got a 27%. 27%. And then, wow. and then 63% of the audience liked it. But remember oh. that that's with, with the audience, those are the ones who actually wanted to come on and, and give a review. Not Correct. just the ones who said People that like, didn't feel like it was, yeah. Yeah. yeah I did not want to my time. Review. Um, no, the last one, they did an interview with Zach Braff about something or other, you know, probably one of the feel-good movies he's trying to pitch to people these days. But they asked him about, um, like, his time on Scrubs, and he says that he tried to take Rowdy. He uh, Like, at the end of the show, he tried to take Rowdy for his own, you know, the stuffed dog, and uh, they wouldn't let him. The studio was, like, very adamant about it. They were like, no, we're putting him into storage. So he says that every time he's feeling down, he just thinks about Rowdy being carted off like Raiders of the Lost Ark into a back lot somewhere and put into a crate that's, like, in the back, you know, being looked at by top men kind of thing. I thought that was pretty funny. That is funny. I wonder why they wouldn't let him take the stuffed dog. I don't know. And there were two of them. Yeah. You know? so, there was two of them. Yep. Stephen and Rowdy. They would have a spare. Oh, yep. well. Steve, yeah, Stephen and Rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's all I got to ramble about this week. Nice. Well, I think it's a, I think it's a good episode this week. I think it's a dang good episode. Yeah. But you have to think that. It's our podcast. No, no, no. I can be, yeah, okay. I mean, there are plenty of people out there who just, they think that their stuff is always good. And you have to do that if you're going to promote it. So, Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. We're not blinded by the false, false, I can't, falsity, by the falsitude. (laughs) We're Uh, not blinded by the falsitude that Batman vs. Superman is a fantastic movie. (laughs) So man, usually I'm the one who's going at it hard for Batman versus. I know. Superman. Well, I realize now we didn't get any. We didn't get any. Uh, we didn't get any dry, you know, zingers in about it this yeah. weekend. So I, I want to make sure I got a couple in here before we before this, we close this out. This is starting for the week. to feel like our. Uh, and I'm sorry we don't have time for Matt Damon this week, but uh, yeah. we'll be back later. <laughs> uh, Good nice. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, hey, well, thanks. Thanks for having a listen this week. Uh, If you'd like to reach out to us, we can be found online on the Twitter bot. We are I'm at Superstar Mel. 
I am at the Quantum Geek. That's G33K. The show is at What Did You Watch? And then we do have our Facebook presence of What Did You Watch This Week, so check us all out there. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Thank you.